0: we were singing that song earlier about there's another in the fire, I just couldn't help but think of the passage in Isaiah 43. And there really is, he, you know, he's so good to be with us. He's so good to give us peace and calm in the storm of life. And uh, Isaiah 43 says this, verse Starting with verse one, he says, now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned the flames will not set you ablaze for i am the lord your god the holy one of israel your savior isn't that an awesome promise there will always be as we look to him another in the fire he's promised to never leave us nor forsake us and i don't i don't know we've all you know we can all think of, of maybe experiences where where it's been very real very tangible maybe the fear associated with some experience or the, the, the anxiousness around some experience, the danger that we felt around some experience. Uh, for me, it goes back to some of our times back in Tajikistan when we lived there in Central Asia and we were serving right next to uh, the hot spot at that time in 9-11 and all the, the fighting that was going on there. And uh, our our organization took a, asked us to take a trip I- across the border into northern Afghanistan to of spy out the land to see what we could do to help we were we had feeding programs and 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 uh, uh we were doing road construction rebuilding schools different things in tajikistan we thought okay now is an opportunity the door is open uh everything's ch- chaos really there but there was an open door and so we we went in there and we were, i remember standing there uh we were in northern afghanistan but we had to go across this this the river, there's a river b- on, which is basically the border between Tajikistan and Afghanistan. And there's a, a big, a big river. I can't remember the name of the river. Big, very wide river. And we, they have these makeshift ferries that take you across. And you, d- you don't even think they're seaworthy. They're going to even float and get you to the other side. And you're, We're there. And all the journalists, too, international uh, journalists from all over the world, were going from Tajikistan into northern Afghanistan to get the story because all the other borders were closed. So all of a sudden, Tajikistan became on the map. You know, it was, it was highlighted uh, all over the world. And, and so I'm here on this raft floating across this river to go to northern Afghanistan, and these journalists were with me, and, other, and I had some colleagues with me, and, and we get to the place where we thought we were, we were looking for a place to, to uh, an office, to actually base ourselves out of. We needed a base there. And to me now, I look back and think it's crazy. We needed a base in a war zone. But we, we did. We needed a place to, to base out of. And so we we were, we found, and it's all word of mouth there. You go to one village, and they say, oh, we know a guy who has a empty house you might want to look at. So we, we go to this village, and we're looking at these places, and one was a one this one place it was nice it looked like I mean not nice but it was big enough for us (laughs) and uh, so we start to to look around and see what we could do with it kind of you have to get creative and think how could we make this a place where we can bring in our supplies and and go out from and and all of a sudden I'm kind of touring this 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 house uh, and and Boom, you know, under my feet, I just hear th- I hear this noise and i s- and I see the whole house basically rattle and the and the glass and the, and then I look around, I start realizing all the windows are broken and the glass is all blown out and and think what what happened here oh that's the bombing right down in the down in the river's the bottom right down there we could see the river down there, and that's where the the basically the front that 's where the front was at that time and uh but you know what God gave me peace. He gives us peace in situations where we find ourselves either, uh, you know, maybe, you know, and and for the most, and those are just a few experiences in my life. There's just a handful of those kinds of situations where I look back and say, thank you, God, for giving me peace and protection during those times. But for the most part, most of us deal with the everyday, uh, the everyday Struggles of maintaining and finding peace in the midst of a lot of struggle and 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 the, the things around us the circumstances that are maybe threatening to take our peace uh you know the we're, we're we're and and certainly in this season that we've been in um this is a big issue this has been a big challenge for many of us and um so I want to speak to that today um I know God's word has a lot to say about peace. And so I'm going to be mostly spending time here in, um, in James chapter 3. So if you want to turn there. Um, but I also um, will be taking a look at some other verses. Does everybody have an outline? There should be, you should have an outline. If you don't, you could raise your hand and, and um, our ushers are back here. We could get you one. Uh, anybody who does not have an outline. Um, Listen to what this, this, uh, the psalmist says in, verse, in, chap, in ch- uh, Psalms uh, chapter 120, verse 5. He says, Woe to me that I dwell in Meshek, that I live among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I lived among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. I looked at that and I thought, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that. Um, when I and, and probably has to do with how much I'm exposing myself to the news and the media and the various uh, messages that are out there uh, competing for uh, my, again, competing for my attention, but also uh, competing, uh, threatening my peace. Um, the psalmist, though, here has this I-them uh, perspective, right? And have you ever felt that way? Just kind of it's, it's me against them or it's them against me. Ever felt like you're outnumbered? Um, on either side. And and what side are you on? What side do you feel like you're on? Are you the person that's for peace or are you and feel like whenever you try to, uh, you know, maybe you might feel persecuted or rejected uh, at the very, or at the very least ignored if you're not for war in this environment. And because there's a lot of people calling for conflict um, and there's a lot of people stating their their views and their opinions and in ways that um, would would communicate to me that i I have to take i i would I'm, I have to take a side you know and what's wrong with not always having to take a side and that's the question you know that really um, you know i I have today what is the wrong with not always having to take a side because I don't know what side you feel like you're on. Sometimes I feel like I'm on that side of being a, a wanting peace and uh, peace at all costs, and other times I feel like I just want to be on the side of 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 making sure that my opinion and my stance and my position is heard at all costs. And um, I think probably most of the time I need to land somewhere in the middle, uh, you know. And I think sometimes we're we're when it, when all this is going on, it threatens again, just to steal the peace that God wants to give us. So where is this place for peace? Um, the kind which God's word, um, which in God's word, it says this peace is responsible for a harvest of righteousness. And that's amazing. Let's, so let's go to James chapter three. Actually, uh, uh, Mark James chapter three, but we're going to look at Ephesians uh, chapter two real quick. Ephesians chapter two. And just a question before we look at this. Um, where are you on the peacemaking scale? So if we had a scale, if we have a, if we had a scale up here on the screen, we don't, but just imagine visualize a scale and between 1 and 10, and where are you on that scale? 1 being you're not afraid to divide the camp to make your point. You know, make your point at all costs. Or 10 being avoid the conflict, peace at all costs. All right. So just kind of think about that. Where are you at? Where do you feel like you're at? Like now, some of it has to do with how we're wired personality wise. I do a lot of personality study because I like that. I do that with my coaching and and the people I work with. But but a lot of it has to do with how we're being impacted by our environment. Right. By the by the by the whatever's going on around us. Um, So where are you on that peacemaking scale? Where do you need to realign yourself with God's peace and his definition of being a peacemaker? It's, that's what we're looking for. What does God's word have to say about peace and peacemaking? Jesus is and he always will be the ultimate peacemaker. Can you say amen to that? He is and always will be our ultimate peacemaker. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting with verse 13. I believe that's in your outline. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace and in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. And for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. I love this passage. Peace. Jesus is our ultimate peacemaker. Jesus came to preach peace. He came to bring peace uh, reconciliation, to, to draw those who were far away uh, back into his fold. Jesus is our peace. He destroyed divisions and barriers that have been erected by religion, cultural bias, biases, social and ethnic division. Jesus came to bring peace and uh, destroy the hostility that is between people and and find a way he's the bridge to peace and and in this case the uh the apostle paul is talking about jews and gentiles and how um those uh figuratively speaking in some ways the jews were near the gentiles were far away but really heart heart wise that wasn't the case but in a figurative sense jesus came to bring make the two one to make one church out of the two And that's exactly what he did and what he's done and what he wants to continue to do as he builds his church to make it multi-ethnic cultural expressions in very different ways, but based on the word of God. We've had experience living and working overseas, so we've seen churches that are, we would call them indigenous to the culture that they that they uh, were planted in. And it's beautiful to see so many expressions of worship and expressions of, of relationships and how culture influences that. And yet they can still uphold the truth of God's word but express their worship and their gathering in various ways. If we were today, if we were together in Tajikistan having church, we would be in a small room in someone's home Uh, most of the time uh, sitting around on these uh, nice comfy cotton mats that you're all sitting on and in the middle would be lots of food and bread for breaking bread together and uh, if it was communion we'd pass a common cup probably and uh, how's that for breaking all the rules, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and yet the beautiful expression of worship uh, in that environment. So Jesus came to make the two one, to bring, and, and to me as an American living overseas, it, it was just beautiful to see how I could be part of that, you know, be part of that experience and how they received me. So his, cr- his purpose is to create one new humanity reconciled to the father jesus preached peace peace was the message of jesus did he avoid conflict at all costs no way <laughs> no way he did not uh but he is the perfect example of the peacemaker who preached peace and yet upheld and never compromised the truth and that's where we that's the balance that we need to come to that's the place where we need to be Jesus preached peace. What are we communicating? What am I communicating? What are you communicating in uh, the message that's, that's lived out and spoken through our lives? So after reading this passage, what area of peace do you think Jesus primarily focused on? What area of peace do you think Jesus primarily focused on? Peace with God. Okay, so reconciliation, peace with God. Yes, Amen. Because there's different, area, there's different, there's different uh, ways to view peace. There's different uh, aspects of peace, right? So Jesus uh, focused on the reconciliation piece. There's the vertical peace, my peace, uh, the peace that I have with God, the relationship that we have as individuals with God. There's the horizontal piece of relationships with, with with each other, and and how to manage and deal with conflict and to be peacemakers, agents, uh, ambassadors for Christ, m- uh, ministers of reconciliation. That's another area uh, that Jesus modeled, and that we so there's there's these different areas of peace. And so this this uh, message today I think may speak to you on various levels. Uh, someone may take away. Uh, that the fact that you you're not right with God and you, you want to make that right today and you want to have peace with God in your life and God is inviting you to enter into his peace to be reconciled to the Father and to have relationship with him. And there you may you may be experiencing relational conflict and and that's an area that maybe God is speaking to you and will be speaking to you today about how to how to be a peacemaker in that conflict how to be a peacemaker how to be a person who builds bridges um, you you may just be internally another area of peace is just internally not having peace and feeling anxious thoughts and fear and a lot allowing a lot of that to to steal your peace and God says I want to be your peace today I want to be the one who gives you Peace, peace in the midst of the storm and to bring that calm to your heart and uh, show you that I'm with you in the fire. So wisdom is needed for sure. And this is what James talks about. So let's go to James. James chapter three. James chapter three, uh, starting with verse 13. Wisdom And as we read this, I want you to see the connection between wisdom and peace and being a peacemaker. Uh, I don't think it's a coincidence here that James makes a connection between peacemaking and wisdom. And and then he gives us some other words to hang things on, like humility and impartiality and sincerity. And so let's look at this, uh, starting with verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? a lot like our world today, disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure and peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Wow. I don't think it's, uh, you know, this, James doesn't, doesn't uh, give us a lot of fluff. You know, if you read the book of James, you're not going to get a lot of fluff from that book. You're going to get James, he's the same one who said, faith without works is dead. He's the same one who said, um, you believe, uh, you believe in God? Great. Even the demons believe that and they tremble. <laughs> this is the same James who is saying, let them show it. If you're wise and understanding, let them, sh- let them show it. So, would you consider yourself wise and understanding person? If so, <laughs> what's that, Pastor? <laughs> On Tuesdays only? Okay, all right. Make sure you set your appointments with Pastor for Tuesdays. <laughs> what makes a person wise? what are some characteristics there's some things that don't make a person wise self-control alone doesn't make me wise when I allow my heart to harbor envy jealousy and pride I'm only fooling myself wisdom is not merely knowing how to restrain ourselves and hide what's in our hearts so we can say well that person is wise they're very self-controlled well not necessarily what are they? What are we harboring in our heart? Hearts, what's going on on the inside? And I think there's there's heart issues here, that is that this passage speaks to. So self alone, self control alone doesn't make me wise. Good thinking, education, knowledge doesn't make me wise. That alone won't make me wise. Jesus said, What did Jesus say in uh, Matthew 11:19? He said, Wisdom is proved right by her deeds. Hmm, nice little connection there between wisdom and what James is saying about let them show it by their good life. Also here, prophetically speaking, in Daniel chapter 12, as Daniel receives this message um, prophetically, he says, the messenger that came to Daniel said this, those who are wise will shine like the brightness of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars, forever and ever. Wisdom and righteousness. What is James talk saying about here? Wisdom and righteousness. But you, Daniel, roll up and seal the words of the scroll until the time of the end. Many will go here and there to increase knowledge. Many will go. We have you know many will go here and there uh, well and not to say getting more uh, knowledge and education is a bad thing it's a it can be a really great thing but that alone doesn't give make me wise and so there's more to it than that and then good thinking alone so um gray hair and age doesn't make me wise um either so um you know it doesn't give me a free pass into the wisdom club and uh now, there's something that says that's something in Proverbs that says about, gray hair, gray hair and, and being, being wise, and yet and yet, if we take the whole Bible in context, we're not going to put everybody with gray hair in the camp of, of wise persons. So yes, there's a lot to say about experience and how that gives us an, uh, understanding and wisdom. And yet gray hair alone, age does not just give me an automatic pass into that club. So wisdom in Proverbs. There's a few couple passages, a couple verses here. Just I'll just read. When uh, Proverbs verse 11, or chapter 11, verse 2. When pride comes, then comes disgrace. But with humility comes wisdom. Proverbs 15:33. Wisdom's instruction is to fear the Lord, and humility comes before honor. So James adds here that this good life. Is a life, it's a life pleasing to God, and it's born out of humility. And the humility is a quality that comes from wisdom. Let him show it by his good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. So there's a connection there between wisdom and humility. And now we'll see kind of shortly here how that makes, makes us... Uh, into peacemakers as well so it's clear and we've seen it uh, in our own lives in our own homes in our own relationships in the workplace in the world that conflict starts and it goes unresolved when there's a lack of humility and wisdom involved and we pray for wisdom for our our leaders we prayed that today and um, we will continue to pray for wisdom and humility for our leaders. Um, James, uh, you know, he doesn't beat around the bush here. And so this is, the, he says, show it. It's by your good life, by deeds infused with humility and wisdom. There is, uh, James says here, a superficial fake, you could say, worldly wisdom, which is ultimately demonic in nature. So don't be fooled by that. James is saying. There is an earthly wisdom that is unspiritual of the devil. And um, he wants us to be aware, God wants us to be aware that that can pose as true wisdom, and yet it's not. It's not wisdom. It's not God's heavenly wisdom that he wants to impart to us. So, this makes total sense, right? When we understand that pride and selfish ambition were Satan's downfall, right? Makes total sense. And now we know the world is under the control of the devil and uh, it's it's in his grip, so to speak. And so that this makes total sense that there's an earthly wisdom, that there's a wisdom that's superficial it poses as this great wisdom but it's not and it actually is prideful and demonic so where does that leave us you know satan wants every he wants the world to be everything hell is let me say that again satan wants the world to be everything hell is and envy greed disorder and every evil practice Yep, that's hell. And that, at times, often seems to be our world, doesn't it? So it would seem like, in many contexts, uh, that Satan has got the upper hand. And yet we know the end of the story, don't we? We know we know who the victor is in this. We know who the great peacemaker, great reconciler is, Jesus himself. is going to come and make all things right. But in the meantime, he's putting us in positions of influence to make us ministers of reconciliation. People of peace. People that know how to wisely and, hum- and in humility bring peace and bring the message of peace uh, to any given relationship. Uh, in any given context. And so we know, so what do we do um, when, when this fake superficial wisdom creeps into our lives? And how does that happen? I know for me, I think it's just, I can do this by myself. I don't need to consult with the Lord on this one. I've got it. So what am I leaning on? What am I, what am I, what am I, uh, where am I getting that Knowledge. Where am I getting that understanding? And so for me, I think it creeps in that way. James says, don't boast about it. So when that fake superficial wisdom, that demonic wisdom wants to creep in, or we're already harboring that in our heart, he says, don't boast about it. And at first I was thinking, well, this could just be an outward kind of vocalizing, boasting in an outward way. But I think a lot of it has to do with my, with the what's going on in my inside. What I'm, what I'm, the judgments that I'm making on the inside, the critical spirit, the whatever that is. I'm saying uh, in terms of that's 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 in the form of some kind of boast. Well, I can I can do that better than them, or I hope that they'd fail. Um, whatever I'm thinking. I think a lot of that is boasting. And so James says, "Don't uh, before you, we say we, or we wouldn't boast, think about our thoughts. Think about the unspoken, yet very real judgments that we have even, and other prideful thoughts that we have. And then he says, don't deny the truth. If you harbor this, if, it's, if this superficial, fake, earthly wisdom is coming in, don't deny it. Uh, that'll only perpetuate it longer and, and keep it going longer and it will grow. But don't deny it. It's earthly wisdom can be really deceptive. It can sound good, can it? Earthly wisdom can sound really good at times. It can even make us look good. It can even be pragmatically useful. And so why wouldn't we do that or make that decision or go that way? And I believe this is one reason we have the Spirit to give us discernment in situations we're being influenced by earthly wisdom the spirit of God wants to be with us to give us wisdom to give us discerning understanding thoughts around each and every situation do you believe he's he's interested in every uh, step you take every decision you make every thought you have I do, and I think that that's why he's given us. I know that's why he's given the spirit of wisdom and understanding. He's given us the spirit of wisdom and understanding to have discernment around these things. So the wisdom that comes from heaven. Am I growing in these areas? And then uh, James expands on these. It looks. What does it look like? It's pure. It's peace-loving. It's considerate, it's submissive, it's merciful, it's producing good fruit. So there's something tangible that's left behind, some kind of fruit, something good, some good aroma, some good, uh, some good effect that's happening here. And um, it's impartial, it's sincere. And then he finally, finally he says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Well, I don't know about you, but I want to see that harvest of righteousness in my life, in my family, in my my children, their children's children, a harvest of righteousness. As we are peacemakers, we have this promise that we will reap a harvest of righteousness. So what that begs the question, what am I sowing? What am I sowing into my environment? What am I sowing into lives? Um, What am I what am I giving? What am I investing? What have, been, what have I been harboring in my heart that needs to go away? What's been my harvest? What's been your harvest lately? God wants to give us a harvest of righteousness. So the bottom line here is peacemakers who sow in peace, raise, reap a harvest of righteousness. And that is a promise. That's a principle from God's word. We should take hold of it because the other option is, is is not so good, and uh, it'll just leave us. It'll just leave us anxious. It'll leave us fearful, or whatever else wants to come and steal the peace uh, that we have. Um, and the other option of leaning on earthly wisdom, we know, is not gonna is not gonna cut it either. Especially, especially in this day and hour. God is raising up a people with discernment with understanding, with wisdom. God wants to raise us up to be a people who, in the moment, can make a decision, a choice that will honor him and bring the best result, a godly result, a way out, a place, an open door, whatever thing God wants to do. But God is giving his people wisdom. He's giving you wisdom and discernment to make decisions for your businesses that will honor him. Wisdom and discernment and understanding related to your relationships. Wisdom and discernment and understanding related to uh, your place in the body. Wisdom and discernment and understanding in all these areas. Your choices. You're looking to the next step. You're, tra- you're in transition. Wisdom and discernment and understanding and peace in the process. If, if, there's, if there's turmoil inside and a lack of peace pause don't don't make the decision get get godly counsel seek god more and take hold of the wisdom and the understanding and the discernment that he wants to give you so five steps before just as we're kind of getting ready here to to close i just want to leave you with these and these are we're not going to talk a lot about them but these are in the outline five steps for being a peacemaker number one be a person of peace are you focusing on your areas of agreement or disagreement? If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Romans 12:18. Number two, examine yourself. What's your part in the conflict? Oh, that takes letting go of my pride, though. I'm not sure if I want to do that. Why, uh, Matthew, 7, 3, Matthew 7, 3, why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? Number three, apply forgiveness generously. Apply forgiveness generously. Are you truly forgiving? I don't know why I thought about that. Apply generously. <laughs> apply. I'm thinking of going out in the sun. I need to apply sun, sunscreen generously, don't I? Or this will get burnt, but I don't know why I thought of that. Apply forgiveness generously. Are you truly forgiving and seeking forgiveness? Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Number four, restore the relationship. Are you seeking to restore your relationship or prove you're right? (laughs) Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself or you also may be tempted. Number five, reconciliation is God's plan. Are you doing all you can to reconcile the relationship? All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave you and I a ministry. You can never say, oh, I don't have a ministry. I don't have a, pl- I don't have a place or a thing to do. We're all agents of reconciliation. we all ministers of reconciliation. That's powerful. That's powerful what God can do through through us as we catch on to this truth and as we live it out. So as the worship team comes, just want to go back to 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 just and just reemphasizing the fact that this message today could have spoken to you in a few different ways. Um but how do I actually use the gospel or apply the gospel to work this out in my daily life? There's a difference between peacemaking and peacekeeping. All right? So peacekeepers want to avoid conflict and will do whatever it takes to do so. I'm I'm probably on the scale of more wanting to avoid conflict, so I really have to push myself if I need to confront an issue. Um, so... I don't know where you're at in that, but I'm just uh, we need to real we need to I need to go from just not wanting to avoid conflict and being a peacekeeper, but to do whatever it takes to bring peace, to make peace. Peacemakers want to resolve conflict and will do whatever God's word teaches us to do. God calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Practical peacemaking asks four questions, and so these four questions I think are also on your outline. How can I focus on God in this situation? In other words, how can I glorify God? What a great question. God, how do you want to be glorified in this situation? How do you want to be glorified? How can I own my part? Get that log out of my eye, if that's the problem. How can I help others own their contribution to this conflict? That's the part about gently restoring, confronting in love. How can I help others? do their part as well. And then how can I give forgiveness and help reach a reasonable solution? How can I give? Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give. How can I offer forgiveness in this situation? Complete and total forgiveness. And go and be reconciled. Go and be reconciled. So there may be um, again, going back to this areas of peace that God may be dealing with us around, it could be just that. That I, I, I just want to challenge you: don't step out of the, this room without making some kind of commitment. Whether you're, you come to the altar to just make your peace with God this morning, and, and if that's you, I want to pray for you. Would love to pray for you, Pastor. Would love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you as you take that step toward God. But if it's, if it's also just this whole area, as, as a follower of Jesus Christ, you haven't been walking in his peace, and you know that, and you're, and you're wanting that peace, God wants to meet you here at the altar to give you peace, to give you his peace. He says, Jesus said, my peace I give you, not as the world gives, not as the world gives. And if it's, if it's peace with other people, God wants to give you wisdom, humility, grace, understanding into the situation, clarity on what to do next. Maybe a decision not to, to, take, to, take, some, to take some commitment to a decision out, out these doors today. Maybe I'm going to have that conversation or I'm going I'm to take that step toward that person, whatever that might be. But let's just stand today and we'll just seal this. And I want to just say this altar is open. As we worship today um, and as we close our service, this altar is open um, just for you to meet with God. Um, if you'd like special prayer, just we would love to pray with you. But just to meet with God, if you're here and you just want to meet with him and seal this in your heart and meet with him, this is now a great time to do that. And I encourage you, don't walk out the doors without doing that and taking some step. Um, toward God and toward the great peacemaker, the great reconciler. Jesus is here to meet with us. Father God, we love you today. Father God, oh, we worship you. Thank you for sending Jesus, the great reconciler. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You are peace. You've broken down every wall, every hindrance. You've Destroyed the barrier and you came and brought peace to us who were far away. Lord, we were distant from you. And those who may feel distant today, Lord, just let them know that you're close, you're near, and you want to meet us where we're at. We love you today. We love you today. So just come if you feel led to just seal this or kneel where you're at, stand where you're at. But just let's just take a few moments to. To say, God, I want your word to be effective and powerful in my life. In Jesus' name.